0: Pray like it what? Pray like it matters. Last Sunday morning, halfway through the service, I said, if there's something that's heavy upon your heart, you've got a physical need, emotional need, a spiritual need, something going on, hey, will you, I said, will you just stand up right where you are and, so we can circle up and pray over you and pray with you. And last week we were praying a a prayer of surrender. When I said that last week, the people in both campuses stood up all over the place. And we got to circle up around people and pray over people because I really do believe God answers the prayer of His people. And I believe that... God's Word is saturated with praying. You can't study God's Word. We can't be a student of God's Word without seeing prayer just saturates the Bible. Well, last week, and I got permission to tell this story, one of the men in our church stood up and just said, I need to be prayed for. What was going on in his family, there had been a great rift in his family between him and his wife and their son. For the past four years, their relationship with their son was greatly strained. I mean, great difficulty. Most of us in this room, we've gone through that with somebody, whether you're a parent, an uncle, an aunt, or somebody. Have y'all ever had some uh, difficult moments in your home? Um, Some moments where it's very painful? Well, These parents had walked through that for the last four years. Very little communication with his son. uh, Very tense. Not a good situation. Well, he stood up last Sunday morning, and um, we circled up. We prayed. And as he was leaving our church building last week at 12.01, at 12.01, leaving church last Sunday morning, his son called him. Amen. And his son said, Hey, Dad, how are you doing? And that was the beginning of a conversation, and that was the beginning of restoration between a family and a son. Can we give God a big hand for that? Incredible. All things are possible with God. Last Sunday morning, one of our other people stood up and they had a, a, a difficulty financially going on with the place that they lived, the apartment where they live. And they said, rent is going to go up this much. And for our church person, it was going to put them in a place that there's no way they could afford it and how they were going to do it. And they just stood up really concerned about where they're going to live and what's going to happen. Well, guess what? God answered that prayer, and everybody else's rent is going up, but God kept that rent about the same. As a matter of fact, I mentioned it in the first service. I said it's going up about that much. When I got done with the sermon, one of our church people came and handed me money, enough money, and said, for the next 12 months, their rent's not going to go up because I'm paying for it. So I'm telling you. God God answers prayers last Sunday afternoon, we gathered in cottage prayer meetings, several hundred people came to the pastors houses and what a great prayer time that was in our house we had fifty four in our house last sunday afternoon and We had people of all ages, and we had them from the youngest in our church family to some of the senior saints of our church family. But as we were praying that, we were praising God, we were uh, repentant, we were asking God, and we were ending on yielding ourselves. And at the end, we we circled up in our house, we all held hands, all 54 of us, in a big circle. And I said, man, if you just want to pray, and we're praying that First Baptist, we will be a church that is yielded to Christ, is surrendered to Christ. I said, whoever you can pray, we're just kind of doing sentence prayers. And what a beautiful picture, hearing from our uh, most seasoned people in the room to the youngest, crying out to God. Lord, may we live a yielded life, to the Lord. When we finished praying, I didn't realize I was in for a great blessing. I, I didn't realize a blessing was going to come. A blessing was going to come through the children that were in our home that night. They'd been all through our house playing and all that, but, uh, but those children came to me, and they said, hey, Pastor Eric, we have memorized the verse so, all the children stood in our house, and by memory, they all, all quoted 1 Thessalonians 2 8. So, let me ask you the, the children are setting an example for us, aren't they? So, if, if you had to stand right now and quote 1 Thessalonians 2 8, how would you do this morning? So let's practice. It's going to come up on the screen, and let's say this scripture together. It's our verse for the year. It's what we're praying as a church family. Let's say it together. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. That's our scripture that we are praying because we believe prayer matters. I I don't know about you, but I I really uh, like good news. Any of y'all like good news? You know, today we live in a world of of enough bad news, aren't we? I mean, you just turn any of the news channels on right now. How, How many of you agree our government is broken? Our government is in a in a a bad place. Uh, or you can look on the news and every day we hear so much bad news. Well, let me give you some good news as we're praying like at manners on Wednesday night, and our students are we had two students share a testimony. They're sharing their testimony how they trusted Christ. And after they share, Pastor Jason came up and shared the gospel. Can we celebrate this morning that after those two testimonies, Jason shared the God. Can we celebrate? We had two more students on Wednesday night. Trust Christ on Wednesday night. That's, that's what it's all about, sharing Jesus, sharing our lives because every soul matters. And Jason also gave the challenge that night. Man, if you trusted Christ, but you've never been baptized, you're, you want to take a stand for Jesus and get baptized also stand. So, between those two students, we had three more students say that they've trusted Christ, but they need to be baptized. So, we had five students standing for Jesus Wednesday night. Can we tell those students we're with them, we're for them? And we said, we want to take a stand for Christ. And I've got some good news for you. On February the 3rd, when we're at our new church campus, worshipping in our new worship center that's not finished yet, we're going to baptize on February the 3rd. So, uh, some of you need to take the plunge that day. Can you think of a better time than get baptized than our first Sunday? In an incomplete building, that you're going to take your stand for Christ. So, take your stand for Christ on February the 3rd. I promise you, we will heat the water up for you. Pray like it matters. I've got some good news. Wherever you open this book up, God spoke it. It doesn't matter if you open up Genesis 1.1 or Revelations 22. Wherever you open up this book, God wrote it. I've got some good news for you. Can I I share a verse with you? As I share this verse, will you take your Bibles and go to James chapter 4? James chapter 4, we're going to see God speak some really clear words for us. But as you turn there, I, I, I want you to listen to this other Scripture. I've got some good news. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful. Aren't you grateful that we can come boldly to the throne of God? Aren't we grateful that I've got some good news that we can go and Find grace and mercy. This Bible that you're holding in your hand, this is God's blueprint for life. Every time you open up your Bible this next week, I want you to think about this. The Bible is God's blueprint for your life. As a matter of fact, we have a blueprint on stage, and I've got a the same blueprint that's just kind of an outline of our new worship center we're building. You know, it would be very irresponsible if, if we built a new worship center but didn't have any plans with It'd be pretty crazy that we don't have the blueprints for the plumbing. I, I don't know about you, but I want plumbing that works in the new building, do you? It'd be pretty crazy not to have the structural engineer blueprints blueprints, because I don't know about you. I, I don't want the building to fall. I, I want it to stand for the next 100 years, don't you? We got to have the blueprints for all the electrical drawings. I I, I really don't want us to all have to bring a flashlight to church every week. So I'm grateful for the blueprints that tell me where all the electricity and all the lights are going. I'm, I'm grateful for that, aren't you? God gave us a blueprint. His Word. How crazy would it be that God gives us a blueprint because we need a blueprint for our family. I can't tell you how many times Amy and I have had to open up God's blueprint and and we need help raising four children. I mean, we got four teenagers in our house all at one time. God help us. We, We need a blueprint. We we need a blueprint for how we handle our finances and how we handle our money, don't we? We need a blueprint of how we handle life and our language. We need a blueprint of how we treat other people. God gave us a blueprint. So here's what we're going to pray all week long. We're going to pray that we are going to submit. And we're going to place ourselves under the authority of God's Word. Here's going to be our prayer all week. God wrote a blueprint. And what do we need to do? We need to submit to his blueprint. I, I'm still amazed how many Christians don't submit to the blueprint. I, I'm still amazed how many Christians say, well, my, my blueprint, I, I can make better than God's blueprint. Can I tell you, the blueprint you're making in your house is going to fall. The blueprint that you're trying to create and make on your own, your blueprint, it's not going to withstand. There's only one set of blueprints that works, and that's God's blueprint. So may I ask you this? Here's the invitation. To what extent are you submitting to God's blueprint? What extent are you submitting to the Word? Or have you done this to God's blueprint? You've just kind of taken God's blueprint and, and you just stick it over in the corner and it just collects dust all week. Or how many of you say, well, well, God, I, I know I need to submit to your blueprint, but there's some things that I'd rather do that doesn't line up with your blueprint. So I'm just going to set your blueprint aside just for a while. I'm not going to submit to it, just just all of it, because I, I, I don't like all that's in your blueprint. I want to give you two statements, and we're going to... Look at three things out of James. Write these two things down. I want you to get this. God's blueprint is written to protect us and not harm us. You've got to get this in your heart and your mind. This beautiful blueprint, this scripture that God has written, this blueprint is written not to harm you, but to protect you. When you say, Lord God, I submit and I place myself underneath the authority of your word, and Lord, I place, I move myself under your word, and Lord God, I'm not going to Change your word to match me, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God will empower me. God, move me, change me, align me to match your word. Everything that is in God's blueprint, it is not to harm you, it is to protect you. The second statement that I want you to put down is this, and this is important. This blueprint has the power to dismiss the enemy. This blueprint of God's Word that you're holding in your hand, it has the power to dismiss the enemy. The enemy is going to come and lie to you. Satan is going to come and lie to you. Satan is the father of all lies. Satan is going to come knocking at your heart. He's going to come knocking at your mind. And Satan's going to say, go, hey, but God doesn't love you. If God loves you, he would be keeping this from you. Hey, if God loves you, oh, this wouldn't be happening in your life. Can I tell you what does God's blueprint does? This is our defense against the enemy. That's why when Jesus was tempted, what did Jesus say? It is what? Written. Can we just stop a moment? To what extent are you submitted the authority of God's Word today? Look what in James chapter 4. Look at verse number 7, and you're going to circle three verbs. These are active verbs, continuous verbs. These are three words of action that should be in our life. And as a matter of fact, you can't have the second two without having the first one. One of my friends would always say to me all the time, Pastor Eric, we can't get there from here. Well, can I tell you you, you, you can't get to drawing near to God. You can't get to resisting the devil until you first submit to God. Notice what James says in James chapter 4 and let's circle these three words and and I really want you to ask this question how much am I submitting to God? Verse number 7. Therefore submit to God. We mark that word submit. Submit that I am moving Under the authority of God. Therefore, submit to God. Resist. Mark that word, resist. Resist the devil. That word devil there, when you really look at it, it means slanderer. That he wants to come and slander you. Really, the devil just doesn't want to slander you. He wants to slay you. As a matter of fact, even more than that, the devil wants to destroy you. Resist the devil. And what is the promise given? If we resist the devil, we put our feet down. As we submit it underneath the authority of God, what is the promise? What is the devil going to do? He will flee. I I don't know about you, but I'd rather see the devil fleeing than coming. I'd rather see the devil's taillights and not his headlights. I'd rather be resisting than surrender to the devil. Notice what it says again. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look at verse number eight. And this is a beautiful picture in verse number eight. What is James telling us? James is telling this church of Jerusalem to do what? Draw near to a lot of church activities. Draw near. To who? God. What is the promise if we draw near to God? The promise is God will do what to us? Draw near to us. But to understand, submit. To understand, resist. To understand what it means to draw near to God. We've got to get this in the full context of this scripture. As a matter of fact, when you study a Scripture, you always figure out the context of the Scripture. And from the context of the Scripture, it brings clarity to the truth that's in the Scripture. And when you bring clarity to the truth that's in the Scripture, then it brings application to our life. So let me say that again. When you study a passage of Scripture, you're getting the context of what it's written in. And that context brings clarity to the truth. Instead of just saying, what is the scripture saying to me? We are saying, what is the truth that God is revealing here? And then it brings application. So, what is the setting that James, and does anybody remember? Who is James's mom and dad? Who's James's mom and dad who's writing this? Joseph and who? Mary. So if his mom and dad is Joseph and Mary, who else was in the house all the time was James? Jesus. So if there's anybody who had a close relationship, anybody that was a close eyewitness to Jesus, it was James. And now James is the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. And notice there is a problem within the church. Look at James chapter four, verse one. Hey, have you ever been a part of a church fight before? Have you ever been a a part of a a church that was struggling before? Well, in James chapter 4, in this church, there is a struggle, there is a war, there is a fight. Notice what it says. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? Why is this church fighting? Why are they at war? It's about their pleasure and they're not submitted to God. Look at verse number 2. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Look at verse number 3. It's affecting their prayer. When we are not submitted to God as a church, it affects our church. When we're not submitted to God, it affects our prayer. Look at verse number 3 right next to that. Just write the word prayer. Look what it says. You ask and you do not receive because you ask in that you may spend it on your pleasure. They are praying, but their prayers are just going to the ceiling. They're going nowhere else because their prayers are not about the glory of God. Their prayers are not about what honors God. Their prayers are asking and miss because it's about their pleasure. So it's messing with their prayers. Look at verse number four. Look at the witness that they have. Look at their witnesses mess up. Look at this. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore that wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Look at verse six. This is James given this church a course correction. This is James having a hard conversation with the church of Jerusalem. Their their praying's messed up. Their lifestyle's messed up. Their church unity is messed up. I mean, they are messed up. I want everybody to look this way. When you are not living according to the blueprint of God, you will have a messed up life. I had the privilege of doing a lot of counseling. People start talking. It's amazing. It's amazing the mess that people can weave. Sometimes I want to ask people, I just want to bluntly ask them, hey, where in the world did you think that was a good idea? In my my counseling, if you study my spiritual giftedness, one of my highest things of giftedness is mercy. I mean, I am out the roof in mercy. Well, James is being merciful by teaching this church the truth. Look what he says in verse number 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists what? The proud. But gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 now. Therefore. Therefore, because we're in a mess, therefore, all of these things, therefore, submit to God. Write this down. Number one, very simply, write down. Submit to God. What does it mean to submit to God? It means to place under or arrange under. Really that submit to God, it is a military word. It means that we are placing ourselves under the continuous action that we are moving under the authority of God. To what extent are you submitted to God? I've been preaching almost 30 years, pastoring a long time. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Eric... Will you start a new Bible study class, a 16-week class on submission? I've never had a lady say that. I've never had a man say, Pastor, can can you do a a word study for me? Can, Can we just study for the next 16 weeks? Submit to God? When I think about submit to God, my, my mind goes to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. When I think about, therefore, submit to God, my mind goes to Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable servant. Submit to God, presenting myself as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they have something called flesh hooks. It's kind of disgusting. It's kind of gross when you really start to think about it. But in the Old Testament, as they would be burning a sacrifice... Sometimes that sacrifice would slide off of the heat, the main heat of the fire, so they had what was called flesh hooks They would go and put those flesh hooks back into the sacrifice and and bring it back over to the heat. Here's what I've been praying for us. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, you put in us your hooks and you pull us back in the full submission to God. A living sacrifice. You know the old hymn a lot of us know that goes, I'm prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. How many of you are like me? You you struggle with being the living sacrifice. You you struggle with that issue of submitting to God. Look back at verse number 7. It says, therefore, submit to God. Submitting to God is the best thing we can do. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. Write this second thing down. Resist the devil. What does it mean to resist the devil? It's a military word that means to stand up again. It's to mean as in combat. Resist the devil, it means to dig in your heels. It means to stand firm. It means to be un. Yielded to Satan. It says, resist the devil. That word devil there is also slanderer. What does it mean to resist the devil? In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. So how do we resist the devil? The devil is going to attack you this week. The enemy has a trap that is set for you. How are you going to resist the attack of the enemy? Here's how. You are going to be submitted to God underneath the authority of His Word. And you're going to resist the devil. You're going to stand firm because you realize underneath his authority, underneath his power, empowered with the Holy Spirit of God, the devil's going to flee. But if you're not submitting to God then you're having to deal with it. But when you're submitted to God, you're underneath the authority of God. The devil's just not messing with you. He's messing with the great I Am. Why? Because we're on our knees. We're on a face before God. We're surrendered to the Word of God. We're surrendered to who He is. And when we're surrendered to Him, when we're submitting to Him, guess what? Then the power of the living gospel's in us. Oh, but I don't don't want to submit. Your blueprints don't work. Number three, write this down. Draw near to God. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. That's a picture, of, when you really dive into it of the Old Testament, it's like a, a priest that is coming to make an offering at the altar. Can you picture in the Old Testament a priest coming to the altar of God to, to make an offering? He's saying, draw near to God. You see that all throughout the Scripture. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been made brought near by the blood of Christ. Psalm 74, verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, that I might declare all your works. Zechariah 1.3 says, return to me. Malachi 3.7, return to me, and I will return to you. The Lord is saying to you right now, draw to me and I'll draw near to you. So I'm going to end on asking you two questions. Question number one, to what extent Is your life guided by the blueprint of God's Word? To what extent is your life guided by God's blueprint? Question number two. To what extent is your life submitted to God? Well pastor I I used to be real submitted but not so much now Here's going to be the invitation very simply Therefore submit In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And when we sing, some of you, you need to just come to this altar and say, Lord God, I submit afresh and anew to you. Some of you, you need to come and say, Lord, I place, I move myself under the authority of you. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and then you're going to come forward and say, Lord, I submit to God. You have an option. You need to come and submit. Say, no, I'll do it, by the way. Thanks, God. we have a God that is compassionate that's loving and caring over your soul there's nothing greater than submitting to him dear heavenly father thank you this word that James is teaching this church of Jerusalem therefore submit to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lord, we pray a prayer of submission to you. We submit. As no one's moving around in this room, I'm going to ask this last question one more time. To what extent is your life submitted to God? In just a moment, I'm going to finish praying. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The moment we stand, why don't you come to this altar and say, God, I submit to God. God is a gracious God. God gives grace to the humble. Lord, I pray across this ring that we will realize submission to you, God, is the best thing. God, may we submit to Your Word. We submit to Your authority. We to submit that You are the Great I Am. We submit that there's none other. And God, we come by Your grace. We place ourselves under You this day. In Christ's name, Amen. We're gonna stand.